0: What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 109 of the Spunt Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I speak about the Senate confirmation hearings of Judge Brett Kavanaugh, a policy idea put forth by the Education Department under Betsy DeVos about arming teachers with firearms, some UFC talk just to catch up on a bunch of fights that I haven't spoken about over the past few weeks probably a couple months actually uh like tj versus cody dj versus hudo conor and khabib which is coming up etc and also about a dope stand-up comedy special that i saw if you can call it that because it was done in a very unique way which i'll get into a little bit later by drew michael comedian drew michael stick around folks If you're new to the podcast and would like to support, a cool way to do so is to sign up to my newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter called the Midday Monday Boost Letter. I send it out every Monday at noon, and it contains five things. A featured photograph of the week, podcast of the week, video of the week, quote of the week, and word of the week. If you're interested, it's completely free. And you can sign up at spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. All right. So for those of you who don't know, Judge Kavanaugh was appointed by Donald Trump to the Supreme Court. Now, for him to officially become a Supreme Court justice, he has to become confirmed by the Senate. And the Senate holds these public as well as private hearings with the, the appointee. And then they vote on if this person's a Supreme Court justice or not, and to me the the when a president has the chance to appoint a Supreme Court justice, this is by far the most long term influential ability that they have. It's a very lasting move that they make because. Supreme Court justices are not able to be termed out. They are justices for life. They literally serve on the bench until they die and or decide to step down. Well, I guess it's not and or. It's probably just or. Because if you die, it's not really like a conscious decision to step down, right? All right. Quick aside, by the way, the fucking Jets lost again. And I'm a Jets fan, but... Fuck, man. It's frustrating. Darnold, I'm not sold on. I know it's only been four games. He was supposedly, you know, I don't follow it that closely, sports in general. Um, uh, But he was supposedly, you know, a great quarterback in college. He was uh, the top two, three draft pick this year. The Jets got him. They need a, a good quarterback, a franchise quarterback that they can build a team around. And he just, I don't know, it's only been four games. His appeal is supposedly like a very, like a long-term play. That's what made me, you know, the whole Supreme Court justice thing made me think about that in relation to football, like a long-term play. And hopefully that's the case and he progresses and gets better, but I don't know. Like there's certain tells that I saw with him like in this game specifically uh, against the Jags, which was like just not commanding, not having command over the offense. Like, not having that, like, the team doesn't seem to, like, look to him as a leader yet. Maybe that's something that will develop over time or should. Um, But he kind of has, like, that Mark Sanchez feel right now where, like, they don't, they don't, like, respect him as a quarterback yet or as, like, the leader of the the offense. Kind of like how they treated uh, Willie Beeman in the beginning any any given Sunday. They Like they didn't want to play for him type of thing, but not as egregious, obviously. Anyway, all right. <laughs> I'm going to the to the game against the Vikings on October 21st and very much so looking forward to it. It's in a few weeks. I'll definitely, uh, you know, podcast about that when the time comes, it's a uh, uh, bunch of us like 15 to 20 people go to one game a year. And, you know, make this, like, big event out of it. Tailgate for, like, four to five hours before the game. And, you know, it's beer and beer funnels and liquor and, and burgers and hot dogs and grilling and shish kebabs and bunch of food and chips and just, like, really good time. And then the game, you know. So it's, like, the cherry on top. And then afterwards, tail tailgate again. But I digress. Hopefully that's a better game than this one that I just saw. All right, so... Anyway, back to the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. The Senate, unsurprisingly so, is going extra hard uh, on the Democratic side because of two things. One, they were going to go hard regardless because Barack Obama had the opportunity to appoint a Supreme Court justice before he was termed out of office. And the Republicans pulled this like shenanigans out of their ass and decided not to have Senate hearings to confirm him. And just wait till he gets termed out and then allow the next president, which is now Trump, to appoint a Supreme Court justice. So because of that, the, you know, like the Senate Republicans kind of held that process hostage, which is bullshit. The Democrats were kind of sort of going to give them a hard time in the same kind of way, but also probably not for like a line in the sand, not in a line in the sand type of way. The way the Republicans did, because, you know, the whole when they go low, we go high mentality of the Democrats, which is oftentimes bullshit. Well, maybe not oftentimes, because I get the sentiment behind it. You know, don't stoop to their level type of thing, but sometimes you just gotta go into trenches and say, fuck it, balls to the wall. We'll have nine justices in like four years. I'm exaggerating, but anyway. (laughs) Secondly, Kavanaugh is accused of aggravated sexual misconduct now here's how I feel about what's going on with that Kavanaugh has been accused by Dr. Christine Blasey Ford which also testified in front of the senate and I believe there were two other occurrences but don't take my word for it you know look that up yourself I think there were two other occurrences but Dr. Christine Blasey Ford is the only one that like testified before uh, the senate and it's regarding the occurrence that happened back in high school. Now, mind you, Brett Kavanaugh is fifty three years old. If it happened back in high school or early college, the alleged incident took place over three decades ago. Now, I'm not of the of the school of thought that leans towards the why did you wait thirty years to say something, or why did you wait till, you know, he's running for Senate to say something, because Different people have different tolerances for different things. Different levels of tolerance. Some people could take things to the grave. Some people can hold things in for 90 years. Some for 90 seconds. Like, who knows? That's a a personal gumption type of thing. Also, maybe someone that chose to hold on to something and take it to the grave decided not to because of the unforeseen extraordinary circumstances of The person that violated them was just about to be nominated and about to be confirmed to one of the strongest positions in the country. And will have the ability to influence, to a very direct degree, long-term impacting laws like the federal stance on abortion or if same-sex couples are allowed to be married and about another 100 cases per year that are of up the of the utmost conflict between individuals and the federal government and state governments that can potentially set precedents to the way things unfold for decades and decades into the future so that might be something motivating to make someone speak up about something after 30 years so again i'm not taking the route of Why do you take so long to say something if it's true? Because the fact of the matter is, we don't know if it's true. We don't know if it's bullshit. We don't know if it's a calculated decision to try to bring someone down. We don't know if things happened the way that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford alleges, or if they didn't happen the way that Judge Brett Kavanaugh alleges. I will say that if it did happen, he's an absolute piece of shit. And even though it happened so many years ago, there's no... Like, from a legal standpoint, I don't think there's a statute of limitations on that. And even if there were, or if there is, or if there was, from a moral standpoint, there's no statute of limitations on it. It's like, there's certain fuck-ups that one can make where you change your trajectory of your life. Period. You know what I mean? It's like, I know it's kind of like a hardline approach to the situation, but... With things like that, I kind of get black and white. It's like, if you do certain... There's certain things that you do that it's like... Damn. You fucked up for life forever. Like, you're done. Like, on some Bill Cosby type shit. Like, your comedy was still pioneering. You know, Chris Rock to this day says... Or said that... um, Bill Cosby was, like, the greatest that he, he ever saw. Work and, like, take the stage. And would go on stage without a set a preset set and riff for two hours straight. He was a pioneer in entertainment with shows like Fat Albert and obviously the Cosby show and a different world and his impact on minorities. And in this example, uh, uh, African-American minorities being able to see themselves quote unquote portrayed in a positive light in a role model, or as role models rather, is very impactful. Artists like Lena Waithe, which are very influential this day and age, and in her case specifically, the, such a dope writer and creator, and mark my words, like destined for like greatness, like like Oprah level, stratospheric greatness, but like in her own lane. It says that if she could trace back her wanting to do what she's doing to a specific show because she used to watch a lot of like tv when she was younger and you know she never like saw herself on tv she would say um uh, because it was a lot of like white shows or or like black people like in the hood type of shows or like black people cooning, quote unquote uh said that she attributed to a different world which is spin off of the Cosby show which again revolves around uh bill cosby but it's like all that gets undone when you rape 50 something women You know what I mean? It's like the net positive of you as a human being is like you're on the piece of shit side. So no matter the good that you do, it can absolutely be outweighed by the negative shit that you do on the balance sheet of morality. So if Kavanaugh did do this and did did it uh, multiple times, uh, three alleged times, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's any more, then he falls... In my eyes on that piece of shit side. Regardless of when it took place. Now if he didn't do it. Which is also. As equally possible. Because nobody knows what happened. That's why this whole thing is taking place right. Except for them two. At the very least. Then it's. So fucked up. That. Someone that. Has you know busted their ass. By all accounts and purposes and work their way up through uh, being a lawyer and then a judge to being appointed to the highest court in the land, which is only nine of in the country at one time and only 113 of them in the history of the United States, then it's equally as hard. It's horrible. And it's like, it's something that can't be undone. That's the worst part. In my opinion, it, if he didn't do it. Because, yeah, the damage is done to him, to his family, to his career. And if it's not true, it's like that's not something you could go back and be like, oh, no, it was, we found out it was all bullshit. So, you know, that's it. He's like tainted for life, period. He'll probably always be known as, oh, but wait, wasn't that that judge that like raped the girl or something like that? Oh, no, he was acquitted of everything, you know, found out that the lady was a psycho and it was all bullshit. Oh, okay. Yeah, he still looks creepy. You know what I mean? Like, he's still going to have that, like, stigma about him, regardless. Like, from this point forth, period. No matter what the outcome is now. Which is fucked up and leads me to my point of it's actually something I heard on, on uh, the Fighter and the Kid podcast and that I completely agreed with, which is there has to be some sort of agreed upon, ironclad road to redemption for. Men that are accused of sexual misconduct. And I'm not trying to mansplain or just, you know, be biased because I am a guy. And maybe I can't check that bias to a certain degree, although I think I'm being as objective as possible here. But if simply being accused of something tarnishes you for life, whether it be in your career or your personal relationships, your aspirations... Without getting to the point of validation of those claims, of those accusations. So if you're tarnished from the from the jump, you're tarnished, you're done, you're fucked. Regardless of if it was complete fabrication, if it was bullshit, if it was true, it's like you're done regardless. You just, if it's true, if it's proven to be true, you might have illegal repercussions attached to that and so forth, but you're fucked aside from that regardless. Like, you lose your job, your wife winds up leaving you, splitting up your family. Like, all that just comes as part of being accused. That, in and of itself, is very unfair and not a sustainable element to the fabric of how we navigate relationships as people. Because there's a large range of this stuff of these incidents right there's a there's a spectrum like with most other things in life. there is a famous case from twenty fifteen of two college kids from Occidental College in uh Los Angeles California where uh they were texting each other they were drunk, you know there's you know they're i don't remember if they were like freshmen or sophomores or something like that. And, you know, there were college kids, you know, going to parties, drinking. Um, they were texting each other. Both both of them were drunk. And, uh, you know, saying that they wanna, they both want to hook up. They want to, you know, the girl tells him, does he have condoms? Uh, he says yes. They decided on a time to, like, meet up and hook up. The girl texts her friends, uh, her two girlfriends saying, yeah, I'm so trash, but I'm going to go get laid now um uh, this guy's so cute blah, blah 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 and long story short they wind up hooking up then the girl the next day uh is t- hanging out with her girlfriends and her girlfriends convince her that because she was drunk she was incapable of consenting to sex even though she clearly did while albeit under the influence um as the the college uh guy was as well and the friends convince the girl to report the guy because that's technically rape They convince her to report it to the school. The school then turns around and winds up expelling the guy from the school. Now you have incidents like that where you have two consenting drunk adults that decide to drink and fuck, being pretty much peer pressure influenced by others saying, no, no, that can't happen. You were raped. It wasn't you wanting sex. It wasn't you initiating sex because you were drunk so none of that stuff counts. That's like, you know, me taking a few shots, stabbing somebody in the street and saying, oh no, no, that didn't happen because I'm drunk so I couldn't consent to stabbing that person. Then you have cases like that on one side of the spectrum and then cases on the other side of the spectrum with somebody like uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby and these gross individuals deserve to be flown over to an Al-Qaeda training camp and, like, bungee jumped in while they have their hands tie-wrapped behind their backs and shirts with caricatures of Mohammed but fucking allah while they also wear MAGA hats. That's what they deserve. And those situations are not the same. No matter how you slice it, they're not the same. But the outcome is still the same because, again, there's no road to redemption. There's no road to clearing someone's name. The stigma stays. And uh, you're fucked in terms of your career or your school or, or your spouse relationships comes with the accusation, not with the aftermath of the investigation of the accusations. And that's something that should be corrected. How, may you ask? Because we do do a lot of fucking complaining in this country. And it's like complaints with no answers. And I'll give a very, very, very topical suggestion. At least, you know, better than nothing. Or maybe it's worse, but who knows. I would say that these types of allegations and stuff like that should not be made public until after the fact now it's tough obviously to protect against leaks or like accusers just accusing people but certain things like people losing sponsorships or their jobs and things like that should not occur until after the investigations and like the final determination is actually made like in the case with chris hardwick who was also accused by an ex-girlfriend and comedy central did good by sticking by him and saying that they're gonna wait and see what the outcome is of the investigation and stuff like that they're not gonna ask him to step down from his shows etc cetera, etc cetera. and it turned out that his ex-girlfriend was uh, completely fabricated like the entire thing like that was the outcome of it so maybe that type of approach, but before it hits the public, cause I'm sure that, you know, slowed his like ticket sales in terms of stand up comedy and stuff like that. So there was probably some impact, but something along those lines, but to a more official level, maybe that's a good start. And my recommendation, the whole like judge, like Brett Kavanaugh thing, this whole thing, this whole fiasco, this whole circus that we're seeing on TV and, and that's, uh, taking the bulk of the media attention and media output and in turn our attention is not healthy. It's not good for anyone involved. It's not good for Judge Kavanaugh and his him and his family. It's not good for Dr. Ford and her family. It's not good for the senators, which could be working on something else. It's not good for the country that's just like enveloped in this and it's a a very divisive topic at that, you know, when we don't need any more divisive shit. My advice to, like, that entire situation would be go to the next person in the line. The president has a short list of qualified judges that he were to appoint. It's not just, like, uh, Kavanaugh is the only person that can do the job. He has a short list of, I think it was, like, 10 or 15 people all judges, all, I'm sure, capable of doing the actual work of Supreme Court justice. Like, this whole circus thing is not worth the negative impact that it's having when you can go with the number two guy on the list who will do just as good or better, or the number two girl on the list who can do just as good or better. Next up is... So, Betsy DeVos, which is the head of uh, Trump's education department appointed to his cabinet. And she's also the like sister or sister-in-law of the head of Blackwater, which is like the covert ops overseas group that has since changed her name in a lame rebranding attempt. So it's kind of fitting that she's behind this whole like pushing guns thing, but put forth an idea of arming teachers but with federal funds which i think is ridiculous i say that because one well a slight slight silver lining if you want to find like some positive in the idea is that it would be up to individual states to incorporate and then the federal government would uh, provide the funds to fund them to fund the firearms now I say it's a it's kind of a positive because you know states like uh could then arbitrarily you know decide based on the state every state is is different you know you can't compare like Kansas to New York or something like that. The number of people and uh the level of of crime per capita is gonna be different, and different regions have different needs and different cultures and and what may be good for the goose is not necessarily good for the gander. So the fact that it's not just imposed on on teachers at at the federal level is a good thing. Or would would be a good thing. But then you have um there was a represent uh, a teacher from Texas, which is an open carry state. You can like walk around with AK 47s if you want. And, you know, you would be stopped by cops and, you know, spoken to and, you know, what are you doing or whatever type of thing because people around you are kind of scared. But it's an open carry state. Um, teachers there were like, yo, we're not trained to do what local law enforcement or the military do. So we don't want these, you know, these guns. That was a little surprising to hear. I would think that everybody would be like gun-ho in, you know, Texas. And, of course, that's a ignorant I've never been to Texas type of stereotype that I'm imposing. But anyway, I say all that to say this. I remember my teachers from like elementary school and junior high and high school. And I can't think of, I could maybe think of one. I remember there was this like G.I. Joe looking gym teacher named Mr. Bloom that I had in like junior high. He looked like super fit and looked like literally like a G.I. Joe. Like, we used to call him JHO, Joe, actually. And I think he had, like, military background or something like that. Like, for a guy like that, it made sense. But that's, like, one teacher in, you know, my 12 years of, like, public school. That would be, like, maybe I trust that guy with a gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I would say it's, like, the idea of teacher, armed teachers, scares me like on a surface level you know it's like more guns in the schools what if like uh, a gang of kids get together and like over overpower a teacher and get access to the gun or you know like something like that is, is kind of scary um so like the safety and the the like hiding of it and the secrecy of it would have to be like ironclad like type of thing if if something like this were to be implemented and it should... Like, the only... Because, like, if there's a mass shooter, like, I would want somebody on my side with the gun, too. That Like, that's the flip side of it. Like, I would want Mr. Bloom to come out and fucking pick off a fucking... Kid in a trench coat. Stereotyping again, but... Kid in a trench coat, you know, spraying an AK-47 all around. So, that said, I would say if the storing of the firearm is like some ironclad, you know, you need a retina in the scan, the fingerprint and a fucking seven digit code type of thing to like get access to it. And nobody knows the room that it's in type of thing. Uh, and it's like in a vault somewhere. If it's protected like that, that's, that's like one step, one, like one box that I, I would want checked. The other thing is that only people that qualify to use it can have access to it. So the teachers that would want to do it, I want them to have some like sharpshooter army level training that has to be certified and recertified on a, at least a bi-yearly basis. Like something better than, than cops have to go through because cops are around this type of environment, this type of shit all the time. Teachers are not. So I would imagine that they would have to be that much more prepared and able to handle a firearm in order to be able to do so. In a productive way. And yeah. That's that's my take on that. Alright. Let's do some UFC talk. TJ vs Cody 2. Was a dope matchup. That ended uh, pretty much the same way as the first fight. With uh, TJ Dillashaw. Knocking out Cody Garbrandt. I don't know who to go for in that fight. I wouldn't have been mad. I think if any of them. One, it, like if it went Cody's way, I wouldn't have been mad, especially because it would have set up a trilogy. And those guys, I feel like they are gonna have a trilogy anyway, like sometime in the future, maybe when Cody like builds himself back up. Uh, but TJ is just—it's dope to see greatness, right? That's why we like, we like the Ron Rousey's and the Conor Mcgregors and the John Joneses and the Demetrius Johnsons and the Cyborgs, Daniel Cormiers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was excited at that point because it was like, TJ won. there is definitely going to have a super fight with DJ, Demetrius Johnson, once Demetrius Johnson beats Henry Cejudo for the second time. Which did not happen. I was so let down by that fight. Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, aka Mighty Mouse, who broke the record for defending a UFC championship for the, the most than any other UFC champion. I believe the number was 12 times. Maybe 11 times, but I think it was 12 times, 13 times, something like that. It's like in that range. He fought against Henry Cejudo for the second time. And Henry Henry Cejudo looked great in that fight. DJ did not look himself in that fight. And then come to find out, he like broke his foot during the fight. He had um, like two other injuries as well. And maybe that's why. But uh, regardless, Henry Cejudo did his thing. Henry Cejudo was a Olympic gold Uh, wrestler from the U.S., not from Mexico rather, um, but in the Olympics uh, for the U.S., if I'm not mistaken, and uh, he beat Demetrius Johnson, which was surprising. Demetrius Johnson fucked him up in their first fight, and he, he he, like, kneed him, like, in the solar plexus and just, like, gassed him out, but then Cejudo came back, and in a five-round decision, beat uh, D.J., Which fucked up the whole DJ and TJ super fight. The 125 pound belt champ versus the 135 pound belt champ. And that was something that everybody was like really looking forward to. I would still love to see that fight happen. But now that uh, DJ lost, I doubt it will happen. And there were talks of Cejudo fighting uh, TJ. Which I'm not, I don't know, like it's not as sexy a fight to me. I don't know what it is. Like, there's something about Sudo that I kind of don't like. I don't know what it is. Like, he's a really good fighter. Seems like a nice guy, but he kind of has, like, this, like, thirsty kind of I want to be a role model type of, like, chip on the shoulder type of thing, which is, I guess, not bad. But at the same time, it's, like, it seems very fake. I don't know. There's just something about him that rubs me the wrong way. In terms of fighting though he's obviously a great fighter and the new 125 pound champion and the word talks there's, there's nothing inked as far as super fight between Sahudo and and uh, TJ Dillashaw but I think that would be coming up wouldn't be surprised if it does something else that I would love which I think might be like a good little twist to this whole thing is if uh, Dominic Cruz fights Sahudo takes out Cejudo for the 135 pound belt and then has a rematch with TJ Dillashaw. I'm sorry, the 125 pound belt, if he can get down to 125, which he probably can. And um, fight Cejudo, beat Cejudo, and then has a rematch with uh, TJ Dillashaw, who he won the 135 pelt, belt from, which then Cody took from Dominic Cruz in an upset. That would be That would be pretty dope. Speaking about sick fights, coming up, Conor McGregor makes his UFC return after two years, a two-year hiatus from fighting in the octagon versus Khabib Nurmagomedov, which is 26 or 28-0, and 0, hasn't lost. He's the current champion in that weight class. And he's this Russian dude that his father used to tie a bear to a tree in their backyard and make him wrestle the bear. Like, there's videos of it. You you can YouTube it. You can see it online. I've seen it. It's fucking sick. It's like this little baby cub bear, but still, it's fucking insane. And Khabib is widely regarded at having the best wrestling in the entire UFC, any weight class division. And we all know that Conor McGregor gasses out and doesn't do too well on the ground after, as Nate, uh, Nate Diaz showed after I would say third, fourth roundish, he starts uh decreasing in terms of cardio. So it's a very interesting matchup. The classic uh striker versus wrestler type of matchup and um very much so looking forward to that. That's coming up next week Saturday actually October sixth. Well by the time you guys hear this, yeah, it'll be coming up like that next Saturday after that. So definitely gonna speak about that in the next episode of the sponsored podcast but i'm very much so looking forward to it i think connor can pull it off i think we've seen khabib get get uh wobbled a couple of times in the michael johnson fight for example he clipped him he wobbled him a bit um michael johnson doesn't have the power that uh, connor has um or the precision in striking that connor has uh who else i think barboza um also days Khabib a bit but you know Khabib just ran through Barboza after that. And Barboza was, it was thought that he would be the guy to take out Khabib for the first time. Because um, he's like very unorthodox and wild and, and flashy with his kicks. And people say, if Barboza couldn't do it with his kicks, I was kind of going to do it with the striking. And, you know, you need more distance with kicks. Which is the point that Matt Hardy made in um, the UFC uh, fight breakdowns that he does. And it's true, like, you, he he couldn't get the distance, he couldn't get the space that he needed to throw his kicks. But Conor, with the striking, with his hands, he doesn't need all that space. So as Khabib is driving in, Conor has a very good opportunity and skill set to catch him and put him away. So I would say if the fight, if Conor has a chance of winning, it's within the first two rounds. If He does not uh, finish Khabib within the first two rounds. It's going to be five rounds of Khabib mauling uh, Connor on the ground, wearing him down, and uh, Khabib wins by decision if it goes to five rounds. But I don't think Khabib will be able to finish Connor, and I think that Connor will be able to finish Khabib only if he does it within the first two rounds. And I'm very much looking forward to the fight. They haven't done this like world tour which, you know, Conor is, like, known for, and and uh, the the UFC always, like, makes him do, um, but they haven't done any of that, and, you know, Conor, you know, he's known for have, having a good speaking game, like, he gets into the fighters, his opponent's heads, like, well before the match starts, and we haven't seen a lot of that, and it's a lot of, like, the hype that sells the fight is those those uh, interactions there was one press conference where the public was not allowed. it was only media, and it obviously wasn't the same, but Connor was in, you know there in Connor form, uh, doing his thing, and historically Connor said that he doesn't like the the so much uh, like the whole like the media thing of how it takes away from you know training and stuff like that. so I'm sure he worked that into his contract this time around. As well as the fact that it's going, the, this fight, and apparently, like any future Conor fights moving forward, are going to be co-promoted by the UFC, which is a promotion company. People, you like lose sight of that. It's not like the NFL or the NBA. Uh, UFC promotes fights. Uh, co-promoted by uh, Conor uh, McGregor, what is it? McGregor Promotions and the UFC and Proper 12 Whiskey, which is Conor's. New whiskey line that he started. And if you noticed in the press conference, he had a bottle of the proper 12 whiskey on the podium there, next to like the water, you know, the usual water bottle and monster energy drink. And he did like a cheers with Dana White, the president, and offered Khabib some. And Khabib said he doesn't drink, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so that's interesting. That's interesting, like power, power move, like business move on the side of Connor. And as he said, you know, after the the Mayweather fight where he's estimated to have made over a hundred million or close to or on or around a hundred million dollars with his purse and sponsorship and stuff like that. And the reason why and where he started McGregor Productions was with that fight. So he got a piece from that. He doesn't have to fight anymore, at least not for financial reasons. He's doing it because he quote unquote loves it. Either that or if he's blowing all his, his money. So anyway, either way, I'm looking forward to the fight and it would be very hard to blow hundred million dollars, but people have done it. Last but not least, Drew Michael has a special on HBO. Notice how I didn't call it a comedy special, even though it's under the comedy section and it is a stand-up comedy set. However, it was a special that was directed by Gerard Carmichael and Gerard Carmichael is a stand-up comedian himself and a writer and executive producer and now a director. He yeah, had the Carmichael show, which was fantastic. Only had three seasons before it was uh, canceled d- due to, like, creative differences with the studio and financial disputes and stuff like that. But then Netflix picked it up and it became this, like, cult classic type of thing. But anyway, um, great, great show. I don't really like very many sitcoms. That's one that I definitely put like towards the top of the list of of really good uh, sitcoms and uh Carmichael wrote uh created the show and and did most if not all of the writing supposedly for the show. And he it's all his perspective. I like his pers- perspective. I've seen a lot of his interviews and watched his stand-up like I said and I enjoy his perspective. Now he decided to direct this uh, Drew Michael uh, stand-up, and it was his idea, apparently, to do it without an audience, which is very interesting because stand-up comedy or comedians like feed off the audience. That's how they gauge what they do. And you know, I've said it before, you know, stand, you know, when you watch a special on a comedy special, it's not the first time that the person is doing it on stage it's not you know something that they wrote out and then you know they memorized and went up and performed like a play it takes like a year's worth of hundreds of sets of trying out jokes of working out jokes touring the country and going to local comedy clubs and doing like 30 50 100 200 people at a time and working on your set and working on your jokes until you build up an hour's worth of material and then put that together in the special. And you normally do like two to four uh, shows and you take the chunks of each of those two to four shows, put them together and boom, there's your comedy special. So this comedy special by Drew Michael was worked out like the comedy set. And, you know, in terms of like the quality of the jokes and stuff like that, All the same way. So the only thing that was different is that instead of filming in front of a live studio audience or a live audience, rather, it was no audience. So you don't get that as the person watching it, that like laughter prompt that you normally get with when you're watching with an audience. And the dope thing is that I still laughed. Like I still laughed out loud. I still thought it was funny. And I hadn't known Drew Michael before this. I hadn't heard of him before this. And a lot of the like the popularity that it, that it gained was not just because Jarred Michael I directed it, but because of this weird idea of, of a a up comedy special without an audience. It was kind of like intriguing to people. And it's one of like the first things everybody that speaks about it mentions, including myself, obviously. But it was so dope how the shows still worked, the the jokes still worked, and. It, there was also like this I feel like the introspection of it you know it was like an introspective piece like in terms of like the the, the type of comedy um, uh, Drew Michael's very uh, self-deprecating he's also deaf which I forgot about and like I knew it before and I for- completely forgot about it while watching it and I knew it after or I remembered after and somebody told me I think it was my brother told me, told me, told me or mentioned again that he was deaf and I was like oh shit yeah I forgot about that and um so that's like amazing in and of itself but i feel that the like the quietness like the darkness of like the set and the visual like the way it was shot added to the introspective content it felt like more of a spoken word type of show like a like i don't know if you guys remember like deaf poetry jam from back in the day deaf poetry D E F, russell simmons deaf poetry uh, it seemed like something like that, but funny. And, and some of those are funnier, actually, too. So I shouldn't say but funny. And the way it was shot was very precise, very specific, which is, which is very Carmichael-esque. Like, he'll zoom in on his, his, his lips or just show, like, a side of his face and then zoom out. And then it was interesting. Um the whole thing had like a a flashback back and forth. Or at least was it a flashback? Maybe it wasn't a flashback. I think it was it was like a phone conversation that was like riddled like throughout between Carmichael and his girlfriend. Um uh, uh Drew Michael and his girlfriend and that was it kind of like threw off like the pacing of the set but not in a bad way because it also took away a little bit of the sting of watching a comedy special without an audience so it was kind of interesting in that sense then also at the end i don't know like spoil it but there's like a piece with the girlfriend telling uh drew michael something like in a little rant and that was also dope because it was like unexpected but also poignant <laughs> and certain things that she said and it was a dope special, man. It also, like, I liked it so much that it inspired two separate free writing pieces that I wrote based on on uh, watching that, that comedy special. Which I will undoubtedly share sometime in the future in a future free writing session episode of the Spun Today podcast. But, yeah, it was dope. Check it out. It's on HBO. It's uh, His name is Drew, D-R-E-W, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And it's absolutely worth the watch. I haven't liked a comedy special in this way. You know, in something other than just, you know, super funny. But I haven't liked a comedy special in like an introspective way since Neil Brennan's uh, Three Mics, Which, as I said when I reviewed that one, it was like my favorite thing that I saw. My favorite single thing that I saw in the entire year and i believe that was last year or the maybe even the year before or maybe the beginning of this year that's all i got for you folks that is episode 109 of the spun today podcast hope you guys enjoyed it stick around listen to some tunes for a little bit and uh, then check out some ways you can help support the podcast
1: i'm nice right now thank you
0: very much i
1: feel good if you have a drink would you please put it in the air that party last night was awfully crazy i wish we taped it i danced my face off and had this one girl completely naked drink my drink and smoke my mouth but my good friends is all i need pass out at three wake up at ten go out to eat then do it again i want to go to college college for the rest of my life at Banker's Club and drink Miller Lite. on Thursday, thirsty Thursday and Tuesday night ice, and I can get pizza a dollar a slice. So fill up my cup, let's get muffed up. I'm next on the table who want what? I am champion at beer pong Alan Iverson, Akeem Olajuwon. Don't even bounce, not in my house. Better hope you make it, otherwise you naked. Time isn't wasted when you're getting wasted. Woke up today and all I can say is um, that party last night was awfully crazy I wish it. I my face off and had this one girl completely
0: naked. Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear the midday Monday boost letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer, a podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes, and I cherry pick the best ones and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind and a word of the week so that you and I can both step up our vocab. So, if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out. Check out the subscribe page at spuntray.com forward slash subscribe. Drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one. For any writers or creatives out there, I have a questionnaire. It's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out. It's located at spuntray.com forward slash questionnaire. And what it is, is five open-ended questions related to your craft. It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating? What inspires you, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast Now, you can choose to remain anonymous if you choose to. You have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Sponsored Podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now, you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to sponsored.com forward slash affiliate links or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page and there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well if you want to make a one-time paypal donation feel free to do so there's a paypal donation button on there as well within that same tab you'll also find a link to the spun today viral style store now the viral style store is a store where you can get spun today merch whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that i personally designed and spoiler alert i'm no know Ralph Lauren or you know whoever designs Gucci stuff <laughs> but I did create the design of those shirts myself I have a couple t-shirts on there one that says for example right need every day which is a play off of Snoop Dre and Nate Dog's smoke weed every day so it's right need every day with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it I have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh, just stuff like that. So check it out. The link to the viral style store is also there. You can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis. If you become a Patreon supporter. Now, Patreon is pretty cool. And it there's a little um, video explanation of what it is and how it works. But I'll try to do my best to summarize it here basically you sign on to patreon which is a free service for your account and you can support not just myself but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have patreon pages and you can choose to for example donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis so the spun today podcast has two uh, episodes a month so if you donate a dollar to it it'll be two dollars a month basically and you set it up, and it just happens automatically on a recurring basis. There are just zero fees. You can cancel at any time. No hassle. No bullshit. And it's uh, it's a cool way to help support, and is much appreciated. And also, it's not just like a, for example, uh, a PayPal donation, which is just that. But through Patreon, it allows the creator, in this case, being myself, to set up a reward system, if you will. So. If you donate a dollar per episode you are considered a tier one supporter if you donate three dollars per episode you are a second tier supporter etc etc and it goes up to four tiers and each tier gets different things like uh tier one gets a free spun Today bookmark and a shout out on the podcast tier three gets uh gets those two things from tier one as well as a free writing piece that's not posted on, on my website or available to anyone else, etc., etc. So check that out if you will, and uh, visit my Patreon page at patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash spun today. Another great, amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it. This costs you absolutely nothing. Whether you listen on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on Pocket Casts, on Overcast, on Player FM, on Google Play, on YouTube, on Tumblr, or if you listen on PodBay or any other of your favorite podcast apps. Please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, yo, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good. Or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at Facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions for example with the random rant episodes you know I speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone which is also available on YouTube but you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks so check that out you can also support by checking out my book make way for you tips for getting out of your own way it's a quick short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation and you can find out more about it at spun forward slash books there you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition as well as a couple of audio excerpts if you're interested you can purchase it wherever books are sold kindle ibooks kobo in an ebook or paperback format which you can find on amazon also for being a spun today listener i can also send you a free copy right there on that same landing page at sponsory.com forward slash books, drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and I'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice. And that's all I got folks. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.